You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have podcasts on nearly every team in the NFL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports. Just search your podcast app for Locked On and your team to get more podcasts. Walker Mail, not Edwards. Doug Branson joining you here today. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. A couple of articles have been written about the Charlotte Hornets. Going to get into some math and what it means for the Charlotte Hornets. Some uh, NBA math heads talking about what the Charlotte Hornets season could expect here in 2018. And also, we'll get to an article that it seems like everybody is discussing for the most part here. Yeah. In Charlotte's Twitter universe, and it is the Justin Jett article on Def Pen. And it's the article that pretty much says here we have a, another season that's just going to be down the way, just going to go down the garbage chute. Monotony. Uh, monotony is what he put. Although I think it seemed like it was misspelled, though. Did he put my. There, there was a couple of omissions here. Was there. Was there a, a misspelled word that he put there? It seemed like there was an M. Like, it almost read like <laughs> monotony. It seemed like it was monotony at first. But, yeah, he did put monotony. And it's something that we had been talking about with the Charlotte Hornets team quite a bit. Two seasons in a row where they finished with 36 wins. And Justin Jed, he, he opens up the article discussing all the things that Kemba Walker has completed in his career, basically. Yeah, but that the team has not. So he opens up with Kimba Walker, 28 years old. He's been in the league for seven years. He's won exactly three playoff games, but has lost 111 more regular season basketball games than he has won and now resides on a team with 11 players who have three or fewer years of NBA experience. Getting paid a lot less, too. Getting paid a lot less at $12 million a season. And then he goes down to that the Charlotte Hornets will not be any better than they were last year. First thing that jumps out to me in this article written by Justin Jett, Nada, is one, apparently he thinks Dwight Howard being gone from this team is going to be not just a loss, but a pretty significant one. And we've talked about the effect that he had on that team constantly, how it just did not look like it did not subscribe to a winning theory in basketball. And Dwight Howard is now gone from this team. And it seems like Dwight, for reasons, he he's being sold for pennies on the dollar, because he's being sold for pennies on the dollar because it's not exactly a guy that works in the modern day NBA age anymore. Not at all. That was the thing. And and here we and here he goes to the pick and roll and using that as his form of defense for Dwight Howard. Significant contributions here for the Charlotte Hornets, but not. I'm just not buying it. And that's something he goes into right off the bat with this article. That was one thing because I know I put that the article out, and I know that Danny from the chat, faithful listener pointed this out like within five seconds like hey why are you mentioning Dwight and why are you not mentioning Cody Zeller in that pick and roll regard especially since Zeller is the far better pick and roll player and it was something that because I didn't have an issue with this article up until the Cody Zeller point and one other thing that I don't think people understand and we'll get this into this further with this and with some more articles this team underachieved. The, te- the front office has said this team isn't underachieved two years in a row. That's kind of why they fired everybody. Yeah, they cleaned house. I mean, it was obvious they were not happy with how had things had gone down in two 36-win seasons. And you mentioned them not bringing up Cody Zeller. You brought up Frank Kaminsky in the pick and roll? Like, like no. <laughs> Frank Kaminsky's not going to be the guy that's overtaking the pick and roll thing. Pick and roll 
examples of Dwight Howard being gone. It's going to be Cody Zeller. Now, granted, Cody has shown his fair share of injury history, which kind of leads you to believe maybe you could go Frank in that regard. But Cody's the obvious choice to put, at least as the example besides Dwight here. That's the thing. Like, I understand the omission from of Cody Zeller if you're talking about you cannot rely on him for more than 40 or 45 games. If you're telling me I omitted Cody Zeller because he's an injury risk, I completely understand. Anything more than that? And I, I can't go with you. Can you underachieve for two straight seasons and still underachieve? Or are you just achieving? Right. It there goes to that. the underrated and the overrated conversation. Maybe can can something just be appropriately rated. Maybe well, maybe this show. Hornets team has has maxed out. And I think when you look at this article... Well, again, it goes why they fired everybody. They they maxed right. out with the previous regime, and they're hoping that Malik Monk takes a... And, and with the youth that he has, it almost is like with the youth that they have on this team, there is real development to be had, just like we saw from Jeremy Lamb. Now it's Malik Monk's turn. You're hoping Miles Bridges maybe starts on a higher floor than Malik Monk did, but you're hoping he develops throughout the season. So there is some youth... And hell, who knows, maybe Frank Kaminsky is a guy that just so happens to really develop in his fourth season now in the NBA. But, you know, who knows, there is some youth to maybe be developed and maybe have them a little bit more of a a better team than 36 wins. But that's a big if, Walker. And I, I don't think that you can look at the roster as it stands today and say they have gotten a, 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 any more talented than they were in the previous season. Now they may get some addition by sub, subtraction when you're talking about Dwight Howard, but I don't think that there's anything that you can look at on this team and say, other than a a, a miracle by James Borrego in a new system and, and some youth, uh, where are they going to get better? Well, it's a big if, but it's also... It's also the pool that this Hornets organization has completely taken a dive in. It's making sure these guys have developed. It's why everybody's gone. If you believe Malik Monk is going to improve significantly in his second year, if you if you think that Miles Bridges is a guy that can come in and help immediately, if you think the addition by subtraction and Dwight Howard helps this team, if you think Cody Zeller has been unlucky more so than unhealthy, then there's a reason to see that this team can go to an eight seed or a seven seed. And that pretty much, I, I wouldn't put them further than that, barring some disasters from other teams ahead of them. But, you know, going to that seven and eight seed, I, I think that is attainable. And I think that's how we've operated. And that's how the organization has operated, is that they believe that they have guys on this team that are good enough to win now with the help of some guys that once they develop can help them win more than the 36 wins that they've had the last two years. And I'll also say this quickly, that no one looked at the roster three seasons ago and thought that that could possibly be a fourth-seeded Charlotte Hornets team, and and it almost was, barring some, you know, the, the tiebreakers landed them in, in the sixth slot. And I would also add, we aren't talking enough about backup point guard and how abysmal backup point guard was for this team for two years straight. And I think Tony Parker helps, and I think Devontae Graham at some point will help as well. I hope Devontae Graham helps pretty soon as well, because Tony Parker is a guy that he comes in basically just being a body that is competent at playing that position. That's all they need, though. You're right. It'll help, but it's not like they're getting some very good backup point guard. But you're right. They just needed a competent body because Michael Carter-Williams was a disaster offensively. 
And you had, what was it, Ramon Sessions before that. And Ramon Sessions just, you know, he wasn't the backup point guard to the really Briante move the Weber needle. Experiment. And I, you know, I wanted so badly for Briante Weber to work out. But there's a reason the guy has signed a bunch of 10-day contracts and has moved to a bunch of different teams. And so now you get Tony Parker on, a lot of people thought maybe was a little bit pricey, having what now has been a player, it's a it's a team option for the uh, five-year mil, uh, the five-year Excuse me, five million one year deal. I guess he has with an option to play that second one, and now at least you have a competent body. But that's absolutely you would imagine that does help with the Charlotte Hornets team. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as one dollar a month. You can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get double entries into our contest and access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more. NBA math has come out with a ranking system of all of the players on the Charlotte Hornets starting lineup as well as some guys on the bench. Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. Join us here in just a little bit. We'll take a break. Come back with the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. I saw one horror Christmas film in my entire life, at least that I can think of, and it was for film class, and it was about an evil Santa Claus. So it was like Krampus. It actually was Santa Claus with uh, Tim Allen. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining us here on Locked on Hornets. Discussing the Charlotte Hornets article that was written by Justin Jett, as well as heading to the NBA math article that was contributed a lot by guys like Adam Frommel and, and people who work for that website. And they did this ranking, and it was a ranking of basically some equation that they had come up with of whether you're an all-star, whether you're an MVP candidate, whether you're a back-end player on the bench, whether you're a guy that should get you know zero minutes, whatever, they have, have come up with this ranking system. And as you would know, as you would rightly guess, Kimball Walker was the only all-star on this lineup. Yes. And they did this number system where basically Kimball Walker comes in, I believe, a, a 8.05. They, they had him down like .02 from last year, so exactly. basically the exact same. Um, and, and Kimba, again, a legitimate all-star once again. So once you go off of Kimba, which everybody knows is a bona fide all-star in this league, you would go down to a high-end starter, a guy that is a solid starter in this league, and there was nobody listed in that category. And then you would go, and, and we'll talk about it, you can go to the next category, which is a low-end starter, and there were two players listed for the Hornets, and it was Cody Zeller and it was Nick Batum. Now, these guys have some equation, and these guys are, are careful to incorporate nuance of the game as well, but based on whatever equation that they have in order to try to figure out which players should be linked in what category, they have decided that the next two best players on this team besides Kimba Walker is Cody Zeller and Marvin Williams, which might be true, but they categorize them as low-end starters. Low-end starters, but the one thing I, that I did notice is that from where Nick Batum came down from last year, where they ranked it preseason, that he would have been on the solid starter list. Now, granted, he may not; he may end up being a high end starter, but I do think that we have to we can't ignore the fact that of everything that's been written, we know Nick Batum was probably the most affected by Dwight's uh, again Dwight's arrival here. So, if we're going to look at Dwight's arrival. 
We're going to look at Dwight Damp in Nick Batum's game. I'm willing to for I'm willing to accurately say okay they have it accurate but we have to look at the context of these numbers at the same time. And Dwight Howard I would imagine it it did not work out well between him and Nick Batum. This is something that we've discussed quite a bit where Dwight and Nick we we all thought it could be that that Turgaloo and Howard type connection that you had at Orlando yeah. but it just never worked out. The guys just never seemed to really feel all that comfortable on the court together. So having him off you would expect maybe Nick Batum to, I guess, resurge into a player that he can be. Now, he didn't have a good season the previous year either without Dwight Howard. And this was somebody that kind of had a reclamation project coming over from Portland who did not have a good season. It's why they traded him for a shot in the dark with Noah Vonley, hoping he could develop in Gerald Henderson. Ironically, though, the biggest thing that Portland is missing right now Nick Batum. Yeah, Nick Batum certainly would help him. But again, you know, there there are some real problems with Nick's game. I like there there's there are some things that help him out, sure. Like he is one of the best passers on this team. He makes some boneheaded turnovers every now and then. And you know, just the field goal percentage, it's gotta go up. I mean, the guy's just not efficient shooting the ball. But there's no doubt. I I you you have to put him as the second, third best player on this team. You'd probably I would have to probably put him. I probably put him second. You probably and have to put him second. The one big thing, though, that I did find interesting is that Marvin Williams was placed as a high end backup. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Like that was the number one thing I looked at from this because this is where the math kind of gets lost to me. Yeah, and you know, it goes into this discussion, right? Like, just where does math? belong in the NBA Mm -hmm. and I was having this discussion on Twitter and we were going through this list that I've been doing with the best Charlotte Hornets of all time and I've got Marvin Williams 28th and I don't have MKG on the list and I don't have Cody Zeller on the list Mm -hmm. and this guy I was talking to I I forget his name he said you know MKG and Marvin Williams they're those guys are you know, I I think even better than Marvin. I don't know if Marvin's ever been better than Cody Zeller and MKG. Well, and I think you and have. That's the end of the discussion, Whoa. right Whoa. there. <laughs> yeah, that is the Whoa. end yeah, of the discussion. It's hot. It's hot. And Whoa. you know, I you know, I just answered back. I was like, well, you know, maybe like I could see if you like Cody Zeller when healthy. Like Cody is, I actually like Cody Zeller as a basketball player. I think it's one of those guys that really helps out teams win. I don't think you can rely on him because he has been an injury problem the past couple of seasons. But MKG, I just. You know, I, I had my hope for him, and I just I think we've we've gotten a good defender in this league that just cannot help you much on the offensive end outside of going towards the rim and transition. I, I just don't know if there's too much more that he can do. And so, you know, and I mentioned a couple of stats, and a, a huge math head this guy was, and and he said, you know, he he, he downplayed the merit of player efficiency rating and win shares, and just said wow. there's no merit in them. And so I I get that there are problems with a lot of these stats, but it just makes me wonder, you know, there's going to be a stat two years from now that's going to cripple all the other stats that have preceded it. And then there's yeah. going to be two years from that stat that they come up with. Like, you can only go based off what the stats you have in front of you. And he mentioned this one stat. I forget what it was, that it was the one thing that Marvin Williams was ranked higher than MKG in. But seriously, every other one I would look at, like defensive rating, you would look at, I mean, even defensive rating, MKG's thing. Like, it was yeah. even Marvin that was better. And I get that there are problems with that stat. It's well documented. But you just look at all of these analytics and – you know, it all favors MKG, or it all favors Marvin Williams, I should say, excuse me. And you just kind of wonder, you know, at what point do you get lost too much in math where 
you just can't have an argument about basketball anymore. And I and I think math is important. I think what Daryl Morey has done with Houston, I think that's the easy example to go to. I think it's Golden been fantastic. Also done Golden it. State has done it, but Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, those are the guys that I feel like have gone to a different level. It's just at some point it just gets to be too much to where I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of meaning behind some of these stats anymore. I got a number for you. What's that? 60. That's the channel that the Hornets come on. Watch a game every once in a while, huh? Don't <laughs> yeah. just look at the equations. No, that, you know, when you look at the equations, when you look at all of these stats that are crazy, and, and this is not to bash NBAMath.com. I love these guys. Yeah. Like, I think what they're doing is great. I, I believe Dan Favell is a part of this. He's somebody I've talked to quite a bit that also works for Bleacher Report. Again, Adam Frommel is a great NBA follow. I, I think all of these guys are fantastic, and I think they incorporate n- uh, nuance in the game. It just it comes to a point where you know, it just we get lost in this crazy rabbit hole that it just gets to be too much. And you know what 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 signifies Marvin Williams the player? I thought that was the perfect guy, right? Like yeah. Marvin Williams is a crazy respected player in this league. Steve Clifford praised his team defense that you can see if you watch basketball, you can see him communicate out there on the floor saying, yeah. "Get in your right spot." Like he does it every single trip down the floor. There's not a quantifiable stat for that, and I think there is a lot of value in a team defender like Marvin Williams, and there's just no stat for that, and that's why I would have Marvin as a pretty solid starter with any kind of matchup that you put out there. And like, he's going to get older, sure, and, and I don't know how effective he's going to be in certain aspects of the game, but that brain, you know, I'll take that brain, and I don't know how you can quantify that. Like The big thing for me, at least, and we talked about this before, while, uh, before the show, Basketball's not a math equation. There are random things of chance that will happen. Something will, again, there are too many things that can happen, too many incidents, too many instances of luck. It's not a math equation. If and you, and if real, you want a math equation, go find, go do a math equation. And there's one, I don't I want to <laughs> walk this line right. <laughs> like, I want to walk this line where I don't want to be an old head just kicking out analytics out of the out of the equation to not, you know, no pun, no pun intended, but I... I, th- I don't want to be the old head that says, yo, get out of here. This is, you know, I, I can scout with my own eyes. I right. don't need all of these analytics. I, I think they are important. I think that this is a great tool to try to figure out, you know what, I want to figure this particular stat out. And is there any way I can go find that that is a is a good way to measure what I'm trying to find that maybe just isn't measured in traditional stats? I, I don't want to kick it out all the way. But at some point, you have to know what you're looking at. And just to downplay all the merit with some, but just to quantify stuff, like Marvin Williams is the one where you know maybe that one is just too tough to quantify, saying, is he a low end? Is he a solid? Is he a high end? Like, give me Marvin Williams on a team where, you know, basically, if you're playing with young guys or if you're playing with a bunch of all-stars, I want Marvin Williams on my team, and I think he's a fine starter. Let me say this first about, Analytics. I think that there is a law of diminishing returns when it comes to looking at analytics and applying them to the game of basketball or sports in general. There, there is a certain amount of analytics that add insight, that make the picture clearer, that make what you're seeing on television make a little bit more sense. But I think the further down the rabbit hole you go, and the more you have these people cooking up their own statistics to paint their own pictures, it it obscures more than it uncovers. And and numbers don't always tell the truth. Numbers can be used to create a narrative, to create a story. And, and I think we, you know, we have to be careful in that respect. But going to Marvin Williams, 
What I worry about with Marvin and why I actually tend to be on the other side of this argument from you, Walker, I, I, I tend to like him as a high-end backup in this scenario, and I think that's his his future with the Charlotte Hornets because what made him tangibly good for the Hornets is is giving more and more away to what makes him intangibly good for the Hornets. So like he's a great he's a great leader in the locker room. He's a guy that inspires Malik Monk to get to the gym early. That's a really great thing. But there were times last season that I thought he looked a step slow on the defensive end where he was getting beaten and I I tended to ask myself is this an issue where you've got a guy next to him in Dwight Howard that cannot move very well and is not playing team defense very well and cannot switch up top and do those different things? Is that affecting Marvin or are we seeing him just naturally give way to father time? I think that's a question we have to keep an eye on this season. Well, father time is going to set in and I get you on that. Like father time is undefeated and it's going to be undefeated once it hits Marvin Williams, probably already has hit Marvin Williams. This Mm -hmm. is not, you know, he would give us a couple of fantastic dunks, maybe even two years ago, every once in a while he would go dunk on somebody, but Marvin, you're not going to see that as much. And I get it. If you're going to put him as a high end backup in that regard, I hear you on that. I, I think what I was more going to was how do you quantify the true effect of a guy like that, right? Like, if, I don't if, think you can. If you want to put Marvin as a high-end backup because of his athleticism is diminishing, then I totally hear you on that. Just at some point, you know, Marvin could be as smart. You know, you can't have John Wooden out there playing at the age of 80 because, right, I mean, <laughs> the, the guy's the smartest dude out there in the world. But, yeah, I mean, Father Time has caught up to some of these great coaches and stuff like that. But, when Marvin is out there, and at least with a capable body and giving you that brain, what what is quantifiable in that regard as well? And that's what I find interesting about how to measure a lot of these guys. Any other guys that surprise you on those lists? Because I got a few. Yeah, well, and just to keep on going, not to get too, even though we've gotten stuck here on Marvin Williams, you keep on going the low-end starters, Nicholas Batum, Cody Zeller, you go to Marvin Williams, MKG, Jeremy Lamb high-end backups. Which, by the way, is an improvement for Lamb. I don't think you would put him as a high-end backup in in the previous two seasons. I yeah. think last season he he elevated himself to high-end backup. Has an opportunity, in my mind, to elevate himself into low-end starter, maybe even possibly solid starter if he gets the opportunity. Well, and what's interesting about that is here you have this placement for Jeremy Lamb. Actually, compared to last year, it's a half a point down from yeah. where they valued him last season. I believe that's what the um, increments are to the right. So it's too, it's too many numbers. Yeah. So then Just, you go up. I've been saying this for years. <laughs> right. There are far too many numbers. We should reduce the number of numbers by half. You go to just depth pieces. It's Frank Kaminsky, Billy Hernan Gomez, Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, Tony Parker, Bismack Biombo. Then you go to guys that are just not playable at all. You go to guys like J.P. Makura, Zach Smith, just some of the guys that are going to make summer being league. That low, yeah, was, it, was a surprise to me. Yeah, end of bench pieces is where Dwayne Bacon. But and he Devontae didn't get Graham he had. didn't get run. No, he didn't. I mean, how do you you can't evaluate someone? They they evaluated him as being end of bench, which is exactly where he, he where was he most was. of the time. But the times that he did play, especially early in the season, Let I go thought up with this. I thought he was I thought he was a little bit better than end of bench piece, but I also understand why he's by the end of this list they went, Who is yeah. at the end of the bench? I was Dwayne Bacon, all right. He's what, what does this bench equation bench say? Yeah. Oh, the guy sat at the end of the bench. Hmm. But this goes to our first segment, right? Like piece. how how many of these guys really have the realistic opportunity to become a solid starter? And don't you need to have at least one or two players no, in nice. the solid starter sure. category to really be a legitimate threat in the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean if you I go think- 
Bridges actually has a chance. Oh boy. I do believe Bridges. Now, generally, rookies are not very. <laughs> this good is a great. Here. This is a great opinion because no one will. This is one of those opinions that no one will remember unless he gets it right. With Miles Bridges, yes, yeah, his, yeah right, yeah, yeah. There, I think Br- I you, think Bridges has the four. You radio vet. No, let me just say this: Bismack Biombo has an opportunity to be a solid starter this <laughs> season. I, I, I'm, you know what? Y'all can say what you want. I got to interview the man in a couple of weeks. I, y'all say what you want. I don't want this getting back to him. We put a quote out today on our website for ESPN Charlotte, and I forget who it was, but it was they said, you know, I, this team has an opportunity to arguably be the best team that they've ever had. And it's like, it's, it's you know, that's you read into it. That's the quote no, that's I've great. ever heard. I love heard. it. But it's, it's so good because then you click on it immediately like, oh, hell yeah. I'm ready for this team. This team could be the best team of all time, arguably. Like, all you got to do is just insert that and you can say whatever you want. But what does a solid starter mean? Like, out next to it on this NBA math article, it says 5.5 to 6.49. What? I don't know. Uh, starter points. I don't know. But solid starter, what does that mean? So let's let's take Nick Batum, for example. He is listed as a low-end starter. To Barely, be, right? To, he's right, he's a little barely. bit down. He's he's almost in the solid starter level. Right. To be if Nick Batum were to be a solid starter, who would Nick Batum have to be able to start for? You know what I'm saying? Like what team Is he the fourth best guy on a deep run team in the playoffs like is he the fourth best on it yes a, on a is that yes. yeah would, would he be yeah would he be the third best player on the portland trailblazers easily yeah he would have easily well wait so, so is that low end starter i'm play, i'm taking Nurkic over. that's right so that's what i'm saying like right. if he's not the third best player on his former team the, the portland trailblazers then he's probably rated correctly as a low end starter but yeah. like what team in what the team? eastern conference would he have to play for to, to really have a significant impact for that team? To be Philly. A, Philly or Boston, right? I mean, he'd have to like pl- be able to start for one of those teams in, in my he mind. He starts for Philly, too, I would add. Well, I think he can go to Cleveland last year. I think Nick Batum makes a, a big difference for Cleveland. Yes, he does. I mean, with that team, you put him next to LeBron. You put him next to that team. I mean, it was really LeBron and nobody else with that team and Kevin Love when he was healthy. But you put Nick Batum on that team, I think at least, you know, they're not beating Golden State because Golden State has made this an argument where you have to use them. It's moot. Yeah. It's, it's a caveat where let's talk about the league with Golden State above everybody else. That's what we have mm-hmm. to talk about. But I do think maybe if you have Nick Batum there, you know, do they win? a game are they competitive the rest of the series i think they win a game i do think they win the game you know do they win two right i think you're entering that kind of conversation which is somewhat significant to me like do you win do you not go to game seven against the celtics if you have nick batum you know what i'm saying like do you not burn out that do you not burn out lebron the entire season because you have someone that can play on the back that's the kind of player i think you're looking at with him oh i see they were rated on a one to twelve scale do you see yeah i found it so (laughs) that's what that's what the numbers mean right well, it's it's the scale from one to twelve, and then so it's basically you're taking yeah. yeah. So you go down the list. It's high end starters, all star candidates, all NBA candidates, lesser MVP candidates, MVP front runners. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I'm good now. You've got everything figured out. Uh, maybe. If so, please tell me. I don't know. <laughs> if so, <laughs> I'm lying. I don't. Please, I, I was about to say, if you do, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you're checking out what else the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including Locked On Panthers host Bill Rossetti getting you ready for the preseason and regular season now. It starts tonight. I don't know about you guys. I'm a football head as well. I'm ready for the Falcons and the Eagles. Uh, not at all? No, nah, not really. I'm good. <laughs> Crazy, man. You just don't like the NFL anymore? 
It's not that I don't like the NFL. I'm just not excited for football. Yeah, well, Falcons-Eagles should be a good one tonight. Nick Foles is going to start, but Carson Wentz hopefully coming back soon for the Eagles, and that would be I'm getting my NFL hat on. Should have traded Foles. That's my big hot take of the 35th NFL. 35th overall pick for Cleveland offered him. Like, should have traded that guy trade when you him. had the chance. It was dumb. It was dumb. They've done such a good job with that organization, but that was dumb. Someone uh, someone argued with me, a, a Philadelphia fan, said, who would well, who would we play in until Carson Wentz gets back? I'm like, who... Who gives a damn? Play that team, anyone. That team you is, get a pick. Right. Do I know this person that you argued with? <laughs> no, you know, you know, you know someone associated with them. But okay. anyway, yeah, exactly. Play anybody. Who cares? It's a couple of games, and then you get Carson Wentz back. And that team is as talented as any team in the NFL. Like maybe they just win with Zach Sudfeld, their third string quarterback. Trade him for the 35th overall pick, Eagles. What are you doing? We're going to watch you anyway because it's the NFL. And again, Bill Rossetti will get you ready for the regular season. Carolina Panthers play the Dallas Cowboys at four on Sunday to start their season. Play that at Bank of America Stadium. So subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Panthers. We're proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering the biggest local stories in every market. We'll be back with the best Hornet, the best beer after the break. Stick around on Locked On Hornets Podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Charlotte. How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating I, the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. I wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back. It's Locked On Hornets, Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. We've left you waiting for quite a while on the top Charlotte Hornets of all time as we've been doing this for the 30th anniversary. What's your rumor? I heard we're getting a double dose today. We are getting a double dose today. We've missed out on a couple of shows. We felt like we were cheating you guys. Yeah. So we're going to go come back. Doug's going to double fist. He's going to bring you a couple beers. I'm going to give you a couple of Hornets. I think we left off with my last Hornet being Big Al, where you made yes. a statement. Did anybody kill you for that? No. Are people scared of you? Yes, they are. I think people probably are scared of you on Twitter. Yeah, they They're probably be. afraid to hop in your mentions because you're probably just going to come right at them. Like, saying Al Jefferson was the best center in Charlotte history. Is, I said an argument could be made. I didn't say he was the best. I said an go. argument Talk could be made. Talk about benign statements. Not I said a, an argument could be made. All right, Doug, why don't you hit me with one of those beers that you got? Uh, we are at the ninth. We're inside the top ten. Ninth, the ninth position, the ninth best beer in Charlotte is Triple C IPA. It's a popular one. The name comes from the hops used, Citra, Centennial, and Chinook. They could add a fourth C for celebration, says Matt McKenzie Mm-mm. of Charlotte Magazine. That's quadruple C, then. <laughs> this IPA won a bronze medal at the 2015 Great American Beer Festival. Number nine. Metal winner. Do you want to intertwine? Do you want me to give my Hornet, or do you want to give us your? Other I'll give beer the real? I'll give the beer real quick. Right. So number eight is Bourbon Barrel Aged Up All Night. That sounds like my kind of beer. Yeah, that actually that's a really good one. This comes from name. Triple C as well. Available very soon in the winter. The base beer is good on its own, but when this breakfast porter brewed with local coffee and honey comes out of bourbon barrels, you have a masterpiece masterpiece i've had it before it is it's close to a masterpiece i did not realize it was a brunch beer i now know and knowing is half the battle as gi joe told me all right 
Time now for the ninth best Charlotte Hornet of all time. Again, last one was Al Jefferson coming in at 10. Thank you, Doug. It was one I don't think that was left with too much controversy. Al Jefferson does crack the top 10. And again, not a whole lot of years with the Charlotte Hornets or the Charlotte Bobcats, but that one year and a half basically where he was very effective and then getting into the playoffs that first season he was here, an all-NBA selection for him, it was good enough to get in the top 10. So now that we're here at number nine, the reveal as the ninth best Charlotte Hornet of all time in I'm the franchise's history. For this. Let's, let's get it going. His name is Anthony Mason. Coming in at number nine overall. A fan favorite. People love themselves some Mace, as do I. A triple-double threat. A guy that was going to contribute in all facets of the box score. 13.4 points per game in his time with Charlotte. Had... 10 rebounds per game in his entire time with Charlotte, even just shy of five assists. And also, talk about all NBA selections. Anthony Mason's got one under his belt. A lot of people fail to realize 96 97 all NBA selection for Mr. Anthony Mason coming in at number nine on my list. He was a point forward when there were not a lot of point forwards. And he was someone that the Charlotte Hornets felt very comfortable running the offense through. On on multiple occasions, so very interesting guy. For not his size. not an all star with Charlotte, by the way. He would get his first all star and only all star bid when he played for the Miami Heat the season after he played for the Charlotte Hornets. But also that ninety six ninety seven All NBA season that he had also got All Defensive Team. So here he comes number nine for Anthony Mason. I don't hate it, and I'm surprised because I initially I went through the whole wait. You're putting Anthony Mason over Al Jefferson, but. But I convinced he you. went to his natural place. I went. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This. How can I refute this? But damn, Walker gives so many good points. It's just so bulletproof. I heard what you said. We all right. Number eight on the best Charlotte Hornets list of all time. This one I feel a little bit worried about. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think not is just going to jump. You are the gazelle you. limping through the African <laughs> safari. I'm in the mud. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas or by not as <laughs> by Nas by Nas. He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> he's going to destroy I'm me. I'm not Joe Button. Thank you very <laughs> yeah, much. He's gonna, let's, let's move on. He's going to come on. at me like MGK did Eminem. I have number eight coming in. The best Charlotte Hornet of all time. I've got it as Gerald Wallace. I flirted with putting him higher on this list. He comes in at number eight. See, I, I know I gave Nada too much vulnerability as he just stares at me with a hand over his mouth. I think this is all for show. I don't think you mean this. I don't think you know what you're talking about before you even say it. But Gerald, obviously beloved, the only all-star in Charlotte Bobcats history. The guy is amazing. Called him Crash because the guy pretty much gave everything that he had out there on the court. By far the best player in Charlotte Bobcats history. If you're just going to limit it to that franchise, there's nobody that even comes close. As much as I like Al Jefferson, there is a huge tier in between what Al gave this team and what Gerald Wallace gave this team. Averaged, I believe, two blocks, and uh, I forget what the stat was, so it wasn't even worth bringing up, but the guy was defensively amazing. I think averaged two blocks and two steals uh, in a season one year, and there's only like a handful of guys to ever do it. And he, he, was, he was an amazing, amazing player for the Charlotte Bobcats team. I've got him at number eight just because I couldn't find myself putting him ahead of some other people that have played with this franchise. I... He, he's entirely too low. 
Where are you going to put them ahead of? I guess we can't get into I'm trying, it too much, I'm, Well, I'm writing the names down on the piece of paper now, and I don't think you put them ahead of any of these names that I have down on the secret I, I, I don't think I do either. Like, it, it's tough. I thought about – there was one name that I thought about. It was only one. And I think you can make an argument for possibly two, but only one that I could make, and I'm not – I, I couldn't do it. I want to see who Seven is. I do want to see who Seven is because if Seven is, is who I think it is – then I can. Like, I well, think I mean, you know, you know guy. who's ahead of him now. Like, I mean, I you think do he's have a top five guy. I do think he's a top. There's five too guy. many good Charlotte Hornets to put him ahead of. Like, I I love Gerald Wallace. I was furious when they traded him away. I no. was I was so angry because you and it was a whole the bunch only, of ticket holders. Yeah, there was there was a lot of anger coming from me once they traded Gerald Wallace. But again, he does have the team's top win share number. The stat that we should throw away. Forty-five point. It doesn't have any merit. Like I, I don't. Again, I think for sentimentality reasons, and for just because the name was oh, so. Don't God-awful. you start. Don't you start and believing it, in sentimentality now. I, I didn't want you at twenty-eight. I don't want you now. Oh, you don't <laughs> no. want it now. No, no, no don't what? don't come over here hopping on number eight now with your sentimentality pitch. I gave you that at twenty-eight, and you stomped on it. Yes, you I, put you know it what? in your hippo jaws and destroyed it. Yes, and, and shook it around. Yes, I did. And you know what? Just because again. I took it out. I can That's bring it back in. Sentimentality for Gerald Wallace, please. I'm the one that put in sentimentality for Gerald Wallace. Hey, this was your criteria. You again. I'm just using <laughs> what? Th- Who is number eleven? Uh, number eleven. Let me pull up my list here real quick. Uh, number eleven was Kendall Gill. Okay, there's one name that, and I, there's one name I think that you could have. You could have put put him ahead of Wallace over, yeah. Okay, and well, we could get into yeah, it. Yeah, we we can't like right. I'm sure I, if if it's the one name, that let's I just have. do it. Let's do it. Let's do seven. Are we going to do seven? Yeah, right let's now? just do seven real let's quick. Do seven. Well, I I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the guy that you like here that we have number seven. We might not even get to the guy that you're thinking of. You want to do number seven? Let's, do, let's do it. All let's right, do all it. Right, all right, all right. Well, a triple dose of the best Charlotte Hornets of all time here today. Number seven on my list, Mr. Baron Davis. <laughs> No, I'm fine with that. Are you cool with Baron Davis? I'm, yeah, that that may have been the name I was missing. I don't know how he's one of my favorite. I was about to say B Diddy. Yeah, I mean, that I'm one, an idiot. Ooh. B Diddy coming in at seven. Ooh. I'm an idiot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, ooh. I'm definitely putting Wallace below. All right. So okay. now you're good B, with him. B Diddy. Oh, again, I also have B Diddy as a top five Hornet though. So wait, but this is this. He I, has I wanna, he has 17 Hornets as top five Hornets. Well, who else? Like entirely too low. Who else do you have here? I mean, I, I know he's higher on the list, and I understand. I kind of understand why. Can we? I want to. I want to address something. I want to address something about this list right now. At one point, can we start discussing guys that aren't on the list just in overall discussion, so we don't have to tiptoe a lot? Because I feel like that's what we're doing now, and now we're to the point where we understand some of these players. Do we have to get to the fifth spot, Doug? I give this to you. It's it's been it's been my list, but it has been an idea that you have. Brought up to us, so I'll give this to you. When do you think is? Well, the I think next show we should just cr- we should do five. Do we crush it? Do we do a top five special? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we can talk about everyone. Just it, real quick, seventh best beer of all time, Copper by OMB. Oh, that's my favorite. That's number one on my list. I understand if it only gets number seven, but that one, like that the one, only, is pretty good. Probably not, the only beef, yeah. the only knowledge that I have enough to have any beef with that list. OMB Copper is. It's my probably favorite. the most popular beer in Charlotte. 
just not the best beer of all time. So number seven, though, that is kind of low. I would expect that to no. be top five. I hear you, guys. You're doing so, the thing that you're, you're I, doing the thing. I, I am doing the thing. Yes, you are doing the but thing. But Baron, but Baron Davis coming in at number seven. Do we do we just do we it's just nix fine. this conversation? I'm looking at the six names that you have not said, and that's fine. I'm look. I know again. I know the six names. I know two of the names, and you're putting two of them in the top five. You're putting Gerald Wallace and B Diddy in the top five. I think. I think I personally, honestly, there are two names I can't that are unassailable that I can't that I've tried to assail, <laughs> and I won't do it anymore. But there are there are two other guys who get a, who get by on sentimentality and longevity, and I'm not sure I'm com- comfortable with that. Well, I, I, I'm not going to have this longevity conversation with you again. Yes, I'm not going to have it. Okay, because it's this is it's something that's so important. We, I'm not. We'll gonna save have it. it for the next show. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here today on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We got a special next show revealing all top five Charlotte Hornets of all time. I guess all top, top six. six. We got top six because that's where we like. Top five plus one. We don't, we don't like those comfortable numbers. We're going to go with the top six. Too many numbers. Hornets of all time. The best six, six beers of all time in Charlotte history. Should be a fun one next uh, next time we hop on here. Thanks uh, for sticking around. Walker Mail, not Edwards, Doug Branson. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. See you guys. <laughs>